0: Welcome, this is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Alright, so tonight I've got the privilege of sharing with you a message and um, the title of my message tonight is called For Such a Time As This. And I want to read to you from one of my favourite books in the Bible. It's the book of Esther. But before I do that, I just want to give you some background information. All right? I don't want to read the whole 10 chapters. We're going to read a little bit. But I'll just give you a little bit of a background, background information. I want to give you a bit of Esther's history. You see, Esther was a teenager. She was an orphan. She was a refugee. She was a girl who had been uh, severed or separated from her people. She was an ethnic minority in a foreign land and, shock horror, she was a woman in a male-dominated society. And yet, in spite of all that, God, through a series of uh, events, elevated this young girl to a place of prominence. She married the king where she was, King Xerxes, she became queen. And as we read in Esther chapter 2, verse 15, it says that Queen Esther won the favour of everyone who saw her. She was a wonderful girl who had a wonderful position. It's a real rags to riches story, if you like. And yet while all this is going on in Esther's life, something else has been brewing. There was a man in that city or in that province whose name was Haman and he was one of King Xerxes' officials and he was stirring up trouble for the Jewish community he despised the Jews and in particular he despised a man by the name of Mordecai now Mordecai is not only a Jew he's actually Esther's uncle and adopted father now, Haman didn't know that Esther herself, Queen Esther, was in fact a Jew. And his hatred for the Jewish people had manifested in such a way that he devised a plan that he could eradicate the Jewish people from his countryside. And you would probably term him today like a modern-day Hitler. Now, the Jewish response, so the people who had been brought over from Israel and were in this land, uh, were weeping, they were wailing, they were fasting because what was about to happen, there was a certain day that the king had given authority to everybody could um, take the life of a Jewish person. So the Jews are fasting, they're weeping, they know that if something doesn't happen, something doesn't intervene, then on this day they could be eradicated, life would be no more. Queen Esther is in the palace and she uh, is a, has been made aware that her uncle Mordecai has been going around weeping. He's in sackcloth and ashes. She's sending him clothes. She's sending him things. She doesn't know what's happening. And in the end, she sends one of the king's uh, eunuchs to find out what's going on. And it's from there that I want to read tonight. So if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to look at Esther chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, the scriptures will come up on the screen behind me. This is the report that Esther gets from her cousin Mordecai, starting at verse seven, it says Mordecai told him everything. This is the eunuch that Esther has sent to them, told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for the annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathach went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king, the king has one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back... This answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this? You know, when I read that scripture and when I read the story of Esther, there are many things that stand out to me, but there are three things that in our short time tonight I want to bring to our attention. And the first thing that stands out to me and grips my heart when I read that is that now is your time. Esther was a woman in a male-dominated society. She was part, as I've said, of an ethnic minority. She was a refugee. And yet God said, Esther... This is your time. And church, do you know what God is saying to us tonight? He's saying, Mick, this is your time. He's saying, Sam, this is your time. He's saying, Bob, this is your time. We sit here and think, yeah, but God, you don't understand. You don't know what's happening in my world. You're not, you don't know what I've done. Oh, newsflash, God's God. God knows what you've done. We sit here and say, no, 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 but you don't get it. And God's saying, no, 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 you don't get it. Now is your time. Oh. And we, we sit there going, "Nah!" but you know, what about this? What about that? What about this? I'm sure Esther's thinking, but I'm an orphan. But I'm a teenager. But I'm this. But I'm that. And God says, Esther, now is your time. God is saying to us tonight, church, now is your time. There is no excuse. I didn't say we don't have excuses. We've all got excuses. and say, well, I can't do it because of that, and then I can't do it because of this, and well, then what about that? I didn't say no ex- there is no excuse. No matter what your past, God is saying to you tonight, it is your time. And do you know why it's your time? Do you want to know why it's your time? <laughs> Take two fingers like this. Go. I'm I'm just thinking. Hang on, what side is it? Left side. Place your fingers here. Can you feel a pulse? You know that push hard. Okay, if you can't find it there, do it on the wrist. Always go there. It's your time. You know why? Because you're alive. You're here. You're the only one who can do it. You know what? Esther's done her job. We're going to look a bit into it and read about it later, but she's not here. And all the great men and women who've done great exploits and great things, they're not here. Those have gone. It's our time. We're alive. Did you hear the story about the man who died in church? When the paramedics came, they removed 10 people before they found the real one. Guys, we're alive. We have to start living. See? Sam just got it. They would have taken her first too. No. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Unless you're dead, it is your time. There is no excuse, no matter your past, okay? God has planned you for your, for you for now. It's your time now, right here, right now. You know what, young people? Don't wait until you finish school. If you're at university, don't wait until you get that job. If you've got that job, don't wait until you get that promotion. If you're single, oh, well, when I'm married... When you're married, when I've got kids, there's always a reason to wait. And God's saying, no, don't wait now. Now is your time. Do you know what the wonderful thing about yesterday is? It's gone. It's finished. If it was a good day, well done, great, enjoy it. But you can't bring it, you can't relive it. And tomorrow is not here. All we've got is today. You can't do a thing about tomorrow because it's not here yet. And you can't do a thing about yesterday because it's gone. But you can Do something about today. Now is your time. You are here for now because God predestined it. God has said, You are here. God has said, I can do something with you, and I want to do that something with you now. Won't you repeat this after me? This is my time. Oh, no, come on. That's like yesterday's time. This is my time. I am not an accident. I was not born too early. I was not born too too late. late. God chose me to live now. now. I could not live at a better time than this. this. I was born for such a time as this. Do you believe it? Come on, church, you were born for such a time as this. It's no harder today than it was other days. You wouldn't have been better off back then. You wouldn't be better off if you were born 20 years into the future. You've been born now. Predestined plan. God says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know you. I've intricately bent down, formed you, breathed life into you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I know the plans I have, the destiny plans to give you hope and a future. Stop sitting there saying, yeah, well, it's all right for them and it's all right for... God." saying it's all right for you. Now, now, your time is now. When is your time? Good. First thing I learned from Esther's life is your time is now. Second key, the second thing I get out of this text is that there's a purpose for your position. I don't know about you, but I think you could be excused for thinking that, you know what, God blessed Esther by making her queen just to make up for the life that she'd had. You know, what? you know what, honey, it's been tough, I get it. So here you are you're in the kingdom now, just eat, drink and be merry because life's been tough, live it up. The life of Riley, it's yours. But you know what I discovered? God blessed Esther for a purpose. There's a purpose in the position that Esther found herself. And guess what? There's a purpose in the position in which you find yourself. It wasn't for this, or oh, here I am, I'm going to eat, drink, I'm going to make up for lost time, I'm going to uh, have all the beauty treatments, I'm going to have everything that I couldn't have when I was younger, and when I was the minority, when I was an orphan, when I was dragged into captivity, and here I am, I'm just going to keep it up onto me. She, she wasn't blessed for this, God says she was blessed for that. And what was that? That, that, that was the deliverance of her people. Mordecai told Esther the reason for her position. He said, your position is this, that you would go to the king and speak up on our behalf. Your position isn't about, oh, God loves you and he does. God's for you and he is. Now God just wants to bestow blessing on you. Lay back, sit back, enjoy it, relax, live it up, of which there's nothing wrong with that. But your position is for a purpose. And that's what uh, Mordecai was saying to us. He says, no matter what you are doing, there is a higher calling Attached to what you're doing. I want to let you know tonight if you're a student, if you're working, if you're a stay at home mum, if you're retired, there is a purpose to your position in life right now. There is a purpose with what you're doing right now, a higher calling to what you do. I'm not against school. I'm not against education, I'm not against working, I'm not against retiring. I'm saying there's a purpose for it. I'm against you living that life with no purpose. I'm against you just eating food, breathing air, passing it through your body and not making a difference in your world. We get so hooked up in terms of, I going to change the world, who am I? I can't change the world. You individually won't change the world, but you can have an impact and an influence on your world. But not if you don't understand, you've been positioned with purpose. There's a purpose in your position. You're at school now. When school days are finished, the contacts you have and the friendship has and the influence you have on your school friends, you may not have that once you move and change. The job you're in right now, the people in your sphere of influence, the people you get to do life with, once that job moves or or things happen, you don't get that opportunity again. There's a purpose to your position. And I remember when I was in uh, year 12, back in nineteen (laughs) eighty six. if you didn't hear that, that was 1986, yep, I had a a childhood uh, school friend when I was in primary school, and um, her mum and dad were Baptist ministers, and so we were good uh, school friends, uh, go to high school, and we just moved in different paths, different friendship uh, groups. And um, one day my mum was up at the shopping centre and she ran into my friend's mother and they uh, were chatting and they just said, do you know what, we've been transferred to the country, a little Baptist uh, church in the country and the issue is that Rebecca, who is in year 12, um, halfway through year 12, it's about June, the subjects that she was studying here in Adelaide didn't line up with the subjects she could do in the country town. So they were faced with a dilemma. Rebecca either had to just go with them and um, fit, not do year 12, just do whatever she could do and then restart the year after, or she had to stay in Adelaide to finish her year 12. And I hadn't really hung with Rebecca for probably all of high school. We'd sort of just moved in different circles. And um, my family, what you need to understand is uh, we weren't Christian, a Christian family. And my mum just all of a sudden says to Rebecca's mum, this nice little Baptist minister's wife, you know what, Rebecca can come and stay with us. And in the natural, that seemed like such a weird observation because oh, I'm a good kid and we're a nice family, but I don't know if I would subject my little preacher daughter <laughs> to my family. And yet this preacher's wife, she understood something. She went back home to her husband, she went back to Rebecca and she said, you know what? This is what's transpired. This family have offered for you to stay in their home. She said, I feel God is in this. I don't get it. I don't know why because there are other Christian families we know, but I feel God is in this. That was June 1996, September 1996. I gave my life to Jesus. I had living in my house a good little Christian girl who helped me for those first three for five months of my Christian experience. There's a position, a purpose to your position. She didn't, they understood. They said, I'll never forget. They told me that afterwards and her mum, we would chat and she would say, you know what, I knew God said to me, I'm in this. And there's a purpose to your position. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't go to school thinking I'm just going to school. Don't go to your workplace thinking you're just going to work. Don't go to your shopping centre. That same Woolies that you go to every day or every second day or once a week, however you do your shopping. Going to the same checkout, looking for the same chick because there's a purpose to your position. We've got to change our perspective. You're retired brilliant, but there's a purpose to your retirement. Whatever you're finding your hands to do, there's purpose to that. Not that I'm retired now, but that I have a different opportunity, a different sphere of influence, a different opportunity to bring life and speak life into that. My life was better because somebody understood their position that they had. They understood the purpose in their position. They got uncomfortable in themselves. They moved into a non-believing house. and a great family, but non-believing. Think about the context and the change because they understood there's a purpose in this position and that purpose came about in terms of my salvation and someone doing life with me in my first four to five months of being a Christian. There's purpose in your position. Because of that, this is what I want you to get. Is stop making choices based on our convenience and comfort. If there's purpose in our position, we've got to make choices according to our destiny. You know what? You're at school, choices according to your destiny. To do this because it's just it's comfortable and I don't choices according to your destiny. You know what? I want to see my friends come into a personal relationship with Jesus. But if I live like them, how's that going to help? I'm going to be no different. When when times get tough and they're wanting to see a difference, well, I don't look any different from them. But if I live with a life of purpose and understand, you know what, my position has purpose, when something goes down, you know who they'll come to? They'll come to me because I'm different. Don't make choices based on convenience. In terms of choosing churches, now most of you call victory home, I get that. But sometimes the temptation, you know what, maybe I've got to travel a little bit far. It's and there's a church that's closer. Or maybe the music isn't quite your style or the this isn't quite. It's not about you, it's about destiny. It's like, you know what, it maybe doesn't fit and maybe if I had my choice, like I said, Rebecca, possibly if given the choice, would have chosen another house to stay in. But she understood purpose to her position. And say, you know what, maybe the music is too loud. Maybe this is that. Maybe, you know what, my kids are kind of, they're not quite settling and they haven't quite got their friendship. Well, you know what, purpose. Get in there, get involved, get people alongside them. It's not about comfort. It's not about what's convenient. It's about destiny. What has God got? And if you're in a place where God can say, I can touch them, I can bring healing to them, I can restore them, I can feed them, that's where you make your decisions. Sport, kids' friendships, all those sorts of things. Who you marry. Don't make a choice based on convenience or comfort. Well, he's good looking. Well, so what? Seriously. He might be good looking, but if, there's no, if, you, if he isn't in tune with your destiny, you're in for hell. Seriously. You need to marry someone who inspires you, someone who helps you, someone who encourages you towards your God-given destiny friendship do they inspire you do they encourage you do they help you towards your God given destiny are they always trying to drag you down we're talking about don't make decisions based on comfort a job promotion I'm for job promotions but not if a job promotion is going to remove from me from my position of purpose If a job promotion is in line with my purpose, you know what? This job promotion isn't drawing me away from church. This job promotion isn't doing this. In actual fact, it's positioning me even closer to have more influence. I'm all for that. But just a job promotion, because, oh, there's more money in it. Oh, but, yeah, I didn't realise that with the more money mean less time at home and less time with the kids and less time for this and less time for that. Like, so don't choose it on convenience, choose it on destiny. Esther chose on destiny. There's a position, there was a purpose for a position. Mordecai came alongside and said, Esther, who knows that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this? Girlfriend, enjoy the palace. But girlfriend, there's a purpose to why you're in the palace. Don't forget your purpose. Enjoy school. Enjoy work. Enjoy retirement. But don't forget there's purpose. To every one of those situations. Thirdly, you have a choice. Esther chapter 4, verse 14 says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. God's not going to twist your arm, He's not going to force you. If we say no to the call of God, He'll use someone else. The choice really is yours. It's not like, well, if I don't do it, then it won't happen. No, God is God, and it will happen. But God wants to use you. Rebecca and her family had a choice. My mum presented an option. They felt that they heard God say, I'm in this. But let me tell you, they still had a choice. They still could have said, you know what, it's a bit, I don't know, the Allen family, I'm just... Kind of like the Adams family, and if you know the Adams family, it's kind of like that. They had a choice. They could have said, you know what, I don't know if our daughter's ready. We don't want to put her into this family. You know what, we want to keep a bit more of a reign. They had a choice, and I'm so thankful that they chose correctly. They still could have said no. They still could have said, no, nah, it doesn't work for us. We'll find a safer family than the Allen family, but they didn't. And I believe my life and my destiny and my, what God's been able to do through me is part and testament to a family, to a little preacher's wife who said, we can do that because God's in that. And then a little preacher's daughter who said, Mama, I'll do that because I think God is in that. You have a choice. God will not be manipulated by man. He's not going to change his mind to suit us. Have you ever had that conversation with God? Like, well, that doesn't quite fit in with what I want to do, so how about we sit at the table and let's, let's bargain? It's not like um, when you have workplace agreement. Well, I'll do that if you do this, and you know, let, let's nut this out. <laughs> we won't nut anything out, nutter. <laughs> it's like, this is, it's this way or no way. God won't change his mind to suit us. He will get the job done with or without us. There's no excuse. That's what when you read that story about Esther. That's what I want to resonate with you. That's what resonates with me. There's no excuse. If God can use Esther, if God can use a little Baptist preacher's daughter, if God can use me, then God can use you. And here's the great thing: is God wants to use you. It's not that He can. It's that he can and he wants to use you. He's not bothered about the things that we're bothered about. Our past is no concern to God. Our past may have a bearing, yes, but it's no concern. It's not a disqualifier. Well, because you did this, you can't. It's like, it's your past. It's exactly what it means. It's past. It's finished. It's kaput. God says, no more. It's your past. It needs to stay in the past. It's no concern to God. Don't let excuses Rob you of fulfilling your purpose in life. God, as I said, can do it without you. But he he wants to do it with you. God wants to do it with you. Young person, you you have a choice. You can say, nah, I'm not interested. And what God has planned will still come to pass. But here's the thing. Don't you want to be part of it? Yeah. Don't you want to be part of it? Winter camp is coming. You have a choice. Yeah. Nah, I don't want to. Don't you want to be part of it? Yeah. What God is going to do in the lives of people, don't you want Him to do something in your life? Yeah. Who? You who are at work. Yeah. The, the plan that God has for your workplace, what He wants to do, the people He wants to see come into relationship with Him. The pe- you may be the only people or the only Bible someone reads. You may be the only hands that are the hands of Jesus that touch, that come and just touch a person and say, hey, how you doing today, bud? You may be the only words, Christ's words spoken into situations. When you're at the shopping centre and you're going down the aisle and, and, you, and you've got that same checkout chick and you notice she's different today. It's so, like, hey, something going on. Just like you may be the, the one. You have a choice. You know right then and there, I have an opportunity right now where I can say, hey, I noticed you down. Can I help you? Or hurry up. Would you hurry up? I've got to be somewhere. Just get my shopping. You scanned it twice. Give me my money. You have a choice. You don't have to do it. If you don't open your mouth and say something in that situation, the, the sad thing is you miss out. God will still have his way. That's what Mordecai said to Esther. Hey, honey, don't think you'll escape just because you're in the palace. You and your fathers may die. God will bring deliverance. It may not be through you. But who knows that you have come to this position for such a time as this. God can do it without you, but he wants to do it with you. If our musos can come back up. We were born for such a time as this. We've been created for a higher purpose. And that higher purpose is to build God's church. And do you know, church, that a lot of our church members, they're not here tonight. They're not here. They're possibly home watching TV. They're at nightclubs. They're at pubs. They're at sporting events. They're not here. So for their sake, can't we be like Esther Can't we not waste our time? Can we not miss our time? And let's remember, we are here for such a time as this. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.